Hey everyone, welcome back. I'm Cass Piancy, and I am here, as usual, with my partner in crime, Bennett Tomlin. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. Good. I am going to start this off just kind of describing how I fell into this. So, so funnily enough, I started following Quadriga CX shortly before it collapsed. And that's only because I was in the midst of doing my first deep dive into Bitfinex, Tether, and Crypto Capital Core. If you aren't familiar with any of those, you can listen to our first three episodes. Uh, they cover Bitfinex and Tether. And then the last episode we did covers Crypto Capital Core. Anyway, I'm not located in Canada, but Quadriga CX popped onto my radar in early 2018 because they were using the same payment processor as Bitfinex, and that payment processor was the fake money services business and money services transmitter called Crypto Capital Core. Crypto Capital Core was having a liquidity crisis before its eventual seizure by law enforcement, and Quadriga CX customers couldn't get their withdrawals. But that's just how I got here, so let's go ahead and meander back to before that. Michael Patrin and Gerald Cotton, the two main people behind Quadriga, seem to have met a couple years before they started Quadriga and worked together on a Liberty Reserve exchanger called Midas Gold. Liberty Reserve was an earlier internet currency that kind of served as like a pseudo-tether of its kind, where people would be able to give money to these exchangers like Midas Gold and get these Liberty Reserve tokens, basically, in exchange, and were then able to use them to interact with various businesses across the internet. So Michael Patrin and Gerald Cotton were working together on Midas Gold while both also still being very active on Ponzi forums, especially the ones like Talk Gold that are run by the Krasenstein brothers. They meet there, start talking, working on Midas Gold together, and then at some point they decide to start a cryptocurrency exchange. They use the WLOX, the White Label Open Source Exchange, which is created by Crypto Capital Core to make it easier for people to spin up their own cryptocurrency exchanges. So they integrate with Crypto Capital Core to provide their fiat services and use Crypto Capital Core's exchange, WLOX, to start their own trading platform. And that is where Quadriga comes from. And I want to pause right there because I, I want to introduce a theme that we've been kind of seeing throughout everything that we've been talking about. So whether it's Crypto Capital Core, Bitfinex, or in this case, Quadriga CX, it seems like we're repeatedly dealing with people who are kind of like lifetime criminals, people who are familiar with how to run a Ponzi scheme, people who are familiar with how to launder money, or at least think they are familiar with how to do these things effectively. For Reggie Fowler, we have a guy who's been sued by every business partner he's ever had. For Giancarlo Devasini, we have a software pirate. For Quadrigo, we have Michael Pattern and we have Gerald Cotton, who are kind of lifetime criminals, these kids who started trading Ponzi schemes and bullshit when when they were, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years old, and later on, too. They just kept doing it throughout their lives. And I don't know what that means. I don't know if that means we're dealing with smart criminals, dumb criminals, both. It, it's notable to me some of the overlaps between Bitfinex and Quadriga in this respect. Bitfinex is founded by Raphael Nicolay, 
a Ponzi schemer who then uses stolen or leaked, depending on what you want to call it, Bitcoinica code to start his own exchange. And then you've got Michael Petrin and Gerald Cotton, Ponzi schemers who use this open source white label exchange to start their own exchange. In both cases, you've got founders who aren't super strong coders using these existing code bases to start these businesses right after they got done with a whole bunch of Ponzi schemes. These are small time scammers who kind of stumble upon accidentally larger scams. And often they just don't even know how to control it. Let's go ahead and just talk about what went down at Quadriga. I don't know if it's that necessary because it's pretty cut and dry what went down at Quadriga CX, right? I mean, getting the full story is going to take years of court cases and investigative work. But in broad strokes, you've got them running an insolvent exchange. You've got embezzlement by the principals. You've got these shady money laundering payment processors. You have boxes of cash being shipped to customers. So like the overall arc is clear. It's clear this is a fraud and there was fraudulent activity going on the entire time. Right. And a little bit more into the weeds of it. Gerald Cotton had fake, fake Canadian dollars on his exchange called Quadriga Bucks. They would represent fiat deposits, uh, but there was no fiat backing it. There was also him trading against his customers. There was him taking the Bitcoin and the Ethereum that he had and trading that on other exchanges and making terrible trades. And then there was also him just straight up losing like 150,000 Ethereum or whatever it was at the time, but millions of dollars worth of Ethereum. And for a smaller exchange like Quadriga CX, he played it off like it wasn't a big deal, but it was actually a huge deal. Nonetheless, he acted like everything was going fine the whole time. I stumbled upon this because I started sleuthing around in their Reddit and it was nothing but complaints. It was nothing but customers talking about waiting months and months to get a wire. And before that, they had been getting wires from Crypto Capital. And then people were talking about how Crypto Capital Core was insolvent. And there was just this fervor. There was this buildup. And I, I'll never forget when it was announced that Gerald Cotton was dead. Now, why was that such a notable series of events for you when you got that announcement, Cass? I th think that everyone talks about these accidents in cryptocurrency. So there's the famous um, boating accident. I don't know. There's a lot of could be true. There's nothing saying it's not true. But man, it seems like these moments happen when you totally expect them to. And if they happen when you totally expect them, there's something very unexpected about it. So... No one had heard from this guy for a long time. Everyone was posturing like, what if he just exit scams? What if he just pretends he's dead? And then you, he's dead. And not only is he dead, but he's apparently dead from Crohn's disease, which is, if anyone knows about it, I mean, basically we're talking about like irritable bowel syndrome, but a little bit more intense than that, I, I, I assume. Largely not a fatal disease and something that is very treatable and something that if you're going to go somewhere like India, where they're known for something called Delhi Belly, there's places where you go where it's just advised, like, listen, you're going to have some stomach issues when you eat the food there. If you go there and you have Crohn's disease and you know that you're going to have issues, why would you not be prepared? So it feels suspicious. That does not mean that Gerald Cotton is alive. Yeah, I remember being skeptical that someone had died of Crohn's disease in a relatively, like, not that Crohn's disease never kills people. It is an inflammatory 
disease and there are people who have died from it. But like you're saying, it's a readily treatable disease. And this was a planned trip. Him and his wife were going over there to build this orphanage or whatever. So presumably as part of that planning, I would have assumed he would have had a consultation with his physician going over like what he was going to need to be able to survive a trip. It, it feels absurd saying it like that because of course you should be able to survive a trip even with Crohn's disease. Yeah, and we're talking about someone who, I don't have the exact figures in front of me right now, but this guy had millions and millions and millions of dollars, at least worth of assets at the time of his death. The ability for him to see a good doctor, the ability for him to bring all the right treatment with him to India. By the way, we forgot to mention this. The reason he was going to India is to donate money to start an orphanage. Now, that sounds on its surface very reasonable and fine and, you, you know, you love to see it. But when you dig a little bit, you're like, wait a second. So Indian orphanages and homeless children were not a concern that Gerald Cotton ever spoke about before. Two, if you want to start an orphanage, why do you have to go to India where if you have Crohn's disease, you could run into some problems? Three, if your exchange is bordering on insolvent or not bordering, is insolvent, why are you giving money and donating it to an orphanage? At least three big questions involved, even with the best aspect of why he went to India in the first place. There's three looming huge questions. We don't know what happened. Yeah, we may never know for certain whether or not Gerald Cotton is dead. What we do know is oh, he's buying himself yachts, flying on private jets, buying multiple houses, traveling the world, all well. His exchange was insolvent. He had no accounting system for the assets there, and he was embezzling the entire time. We haven't really seen anything like it since, and I think that's why it remains kind of this topic of crazed, inflammatory responses from everyone. There's people who are like certain that this dude is dead and that it was all legit what happened. And then there's people who are certain that he is definitely alive. And then there's people who blame his widow. There's people who blame Michael Pattern. There's people who blame other actors involved. What we do know is that the investigation is still open. When you were investigating death fraud, you came across certain death kits that are available, didn't you? Yeah, so I read a book, Playing Dead, A Journey Through the World of Death Fraud. It's by Elizabeth Greenwood. It's, it's great if, if anyone wants to check it out. So there's places like the Philippines and India and China where you can basically go there, spend anywhere between, I don't know, $5,000, $15,000, and they will get an unclaimed body at the morgue. That body is yours now, and they will just list whatever form of death and hold a funeral for you. This case is a little bit different than that because we had Gerald Cotton pass away in India. The doctor vouched for it and said, uh, yeah, he showed up here and passed away. He also sounded like it was like really intense, like that someone with Crohn's disease would have died this quickly from it. And then the body was shipped back to Canada. They held a funeral. The family was there, apparently. Very sad is what reports have been about that. People who somehow leaked it. All the clues point to this guy definitely being deceased. I don't know what questions remain, but I do know that when I asked, the investigation is still open and... I wouldn't be surprised if they had exhumed the body or something. I don't know how we would possibly know, but I wouldn't be surprised if they had before. For all of us, it doesn't really matter if he's alive. The assets, 
that were there were there. There is. It's not like we're going to get them back if we find Gerald Cotton. Who who knows what he was able to take with him, if anything. If he was alive, what would he have? I have no idea. A million dollars, two, less. Who knows? Based on the fact that his exchange had no accounting system and he regularly just lost ex assets, my intuition is that even if he escaped with funds, he probably was not super successful in maintaining control of them. I think the final point I'd like to touch on is just that the amateur hour of Quadriga CX, which is that this this small-time Ponzi schemer ended up having the largest Bitcoin exchange in Canada. He ran it like a chop shop. I mean, he was the worst. And everyone vouched for him. They tried to elect him to the Bitcoin Foundation. Isn't that right? My point is that it was definitely amateur hour. This dude somehow still ended up being able to lose in the in the range of $250 million, which is more money than you and I combined will see in our life, lifetimes. And that's going on now. It's the same thing right now. Nothing has changed. Yeah, uh, exactly. That's the point I wanted to get to, is we know that Quadriga had all these major failings. The total lack of internal controls, the lack of KYC, the exchange owner trading against his own customers and taking customer funds to trade on other exchanges. And what we lack is evidence that there's not another dozen exchanges doing that same thing today. It is still all the tools and things that he was using as this like second or third tier exchange are things that a lot of second and third tier exchanges could probably still be getting away with. Yeah, and probably some larger exchanges, you know? I, we have no proof of solvency in reality uh, for a lot of these exchanges. So keep your coins close, coiners. Yeah, I mean, in that vein, Coinbase, I would generally consider a top-tier exchange. And on one of their pairs for a while, they had 99% of their volume coming from wash trading. Like, even the top exchanges have pretty serious glaring omissions in, like, their internal controls and stuff like that. The too long didn't read here is that Bennett and I are posturing that Quadriga CX is this shining example of amateur scammers getting away with a big time scam until they couldn't get away with it anymore. And that we see that a lot in cryptocurrency and even the competent players might not be as competent as you think they are don't trust verify or whatever, whatever it is, you know, I, I, it's just, it's such a cliche at this point. And, and if Quadriga CX doesn't exemplify this better than anything else, I don't know what does. Yeah. <laughs> Join us next time when we discuss the recent announcement that Coinbase is gonna start a strategic media arm because why not? That's a brilliant idea. And congratulations to Brian Armstrong. Talk to you all soon. Thanks.